Hello and welcome to Found. I'm your host, TechCrunch Managing Editor, Daryl Etherington, and I'm joined by a very special guest host this week, TechCrunch's startup Battlefield Editor. Hey everyone. Hey Daryl. Um, I'm Nisha Tambe. I'm the startup Battlefield Editor for TechCrunch. What does that mean? It basically means I'm the company's in-house VC. I source, recruit, vet, and train all of the early stage companies that you see on stage at TechCrunch Disrupt. That's right. And to be clear, just as a disclaimer, she does not get any carry <laughs> doing that. <laughs> oh, man, uh, I, I would be able to retire if I got to <laughs> invest in the companies that I select for Battlefield. But Yeah, I was going to say much to her chagrin. And uh, yeah, she doesn't get to participate financially in the success of that. Yeah. Except insofar as TechCrunch succeeds as a brand. But, you know. Absolutely. And, and want to make sure to preserve that journalistic integrity. I yeah. do wish we could take a little carry in there. But, you know, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Hey, we all wish that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know why you're here. This is our podcast focused on the stories behind the startups as told by the people who build them, the entrepreneurs and the startup founders who create these companies. And the reason Nisha is here is because we're going to be talking to the winner of the most recent startup Battlefield competition on this show. But first, just a little housekeeping. As always, I want to ask you to like us, subscribe to us, rate us, leave comments. Really appreciate it. Tell your friends as well. It helps us tremendously when you do that. But yeah, to get back to today's show... Today, we're talking to Sheba Dawood from Minerva Lithium, a clean energy technology that uses a proprietary nanomosaic filter to extract critical materials from non-traditional water resources. And of course, Nisha worked very closely with Sheba to prepare her for Battlefield. Right, Nisha? Yep. We worked together for about six and a half weeks, uh, about an hour or two a week on their pitch, everything from how to communicate what they're doing to even their go-to-market strategy and their processes. Great. All right. So excited to hear more from Shiba and also learn a bit more about what goes on behind the scenes at Battlefield. Hi, Shiba. How's it going? All good. How about you? Oh, it's going great. I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. I re- remember when you won mm-hmm. TechCrunch Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I'm saying it like it was forever ago, but... <laughs> We're recording this now in December, and it was in October. But a lot can happen in a few months, and I'm sure you've got updates. But first, can you tell us a bit about what Minerva Lithium does? In Minerva Lithium, we do direct lithium extraction technology for critical minerals. And uh, what we do is we are aiming to develop sustainable energy technology to kind of address the national security and economic prosperity of United States. Uh, So we are developing a very efficient direct lithium extraction technology and as well purifying the water. So that is what our technology lies in. Nice. Yeah, that sounds great. I think obviously addresses a problem, Mm -hmm. growing problem. We need lithium. We need it from somewhere. It's not readily available. And this direct, direct extraction is like an area of growing interest. I think the thing that always comes up, at least in my limited experience talking about this or learning about this, is cost, right? So... It seems to be always like it's too it's too expensive in terms of the end result and sort of the the profit margins that people have. So how do you kind of address that part of the problem? So there are two different things that currently Minerva Lithium is focusing. One is definitely to cut down the cost. And mm. the second most important right now, there is a lot of awareness among people in, in the world. That is because of global climate change crisis. And mm-hmm. right now we require a sustainable technology, sustainable way to do things to move forward. So it's like a cycle. So if any new technology is coming and if they're producing a lot of carbon emission and there's a lot of uh, damage that is being done to the environment, you're trying to address the global climate change and you're producing actually contributing to it in a way. So that is like a cycle and that's what I have been seeing and we are trying to break this down and considering the impact, the global impact, the, you know, the pollution has. So we are trying to cut that down mm-hmm. and as well provide, you know, a much more efficient technology, which is cost effective. So considering, you know, I just would like to give some, you know, economics there. Sure. So currently the technology that is being used to extract lithium, it is called solar evaporation. And as the name itself sounds, it is very Asian technique and it uses about 20,000 acres of land and uh, they extract 
extract lithium uh, for example if they extract one metric ton of lithium for months we extract lithium within 72 hours wow. and the usage of water they use up to dry that water you know they use up about 500,000 gallons of water to produce one metric ton of lithium whereas we use 30,000 gallons of water and we are recycling that water so we are recycling and that water can be reused so there's no wastage that you see here and that's what we are trying to achieve and this is not happening in a day so we have been working from the science and right now we have reached uh, at the pilot scale so i would say that it would definitely take time but we will get there nice yeah i think i've seen those evaporating pools mm -hmm. they're not like pleasant to look at <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they look scary <laughs> yeah yeah it's always that question when you're in the sky you're like what are those things why are they there it's these, right. these evaporation pools yeah, yeah. So mostly they are uh, located in Chile, Argentina and Bolivia. And uh, those practices are not much viable with the lithium concentration domestically in US. Most of the operations are halted right now. They're all halted mm -hmm. because of the sustainable issues and the crisis that public is facing at those locations. All the operations are halted right now. Right, because it's definitely a thing people don't. It's a not in my backyard issue for sure. right? Yes. Like, yeah. And talk about the onshoring a bit, too. So it's also about making sure, you know, the U.S. can source its own as requirements continue to increase? Yes. So uh, right now, the battery market uh, is exploding and it is going to be about $183 billion by 2025. And there itself, you can see. So that is where we are focusing. There are two different resources, hard rock and the other one is brine. Brine are actually an advantage to all of us. And also the other vertical that Minerva Lithium is has already explored and we are trying to also build a market is oil field sector, uh, mm. which I haven't shared during my pitch. But uh, oil field sector, U.S. producers is the largest producers of the water that is produced in the oil field. For one oh. barrel of oil, they produce 10 barrels of water. And oh, the wow. interesting part is that water has lithium. And oh. that lithium is literally dumped into drains. This is what I discovered during my customer discoveries, that oil people are obviously concerned about oil, not water. Mm -hmm. They only want to get rid of water. But that water has the gold right there. So... If you could extract that lithium from that water and, you know, it could be an extra resource of revenue for those oil customers yeah. or, you know, because in some states like Pennsylvania to treat uh, that water. I mean, for example, if they're selling one barrel of water for three dollars to treat that water due to strict EPA regulations, it is 18 dollars per one barrel. So if I extract lithium for them that could compensate or also produce more revenue than, you know, what they're doing. The cost. Yeah, yeah the cost. So that's how it, it could also be one other revenue, uh, other source of revenue. And we are exploring that vertical too. And that was actually my initial project. But uh, due to some limitations, we couldn't dive in much. But right now, uh, I see a lot of shift. Because in 2018, when I did interviews with oil sector, they were like, no, we are not interested. Mm -hmm. But right now, I get calls from them. So you see how the, you know, how the shift is. So, yeah, uh, yeah I am pretty much positive and uh, that we will also have breakthrough in this vertical too. Is that shift happening because of... Uh, increasing costs or is it happening because they're trying to minimize their carbon footprint or a combination of all the above or what? I would say combination of all the above, but mostly because of the cost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Nisha, I'm curious because you work with all these companies so closely and you obviously worked with Minerva. What was the initial conversations like and how do you do the kind of discovery around, you know, talking to Shiva and learning about like the company and what, how do you, how do you say like, oh, that sounds really cool. Like, just take us through that. Well, we have an open application process, which y'all came through. And I remember when I read the application, quite frankly, I didn't believe it. <laughs> I was just like, this isn't possible. This is <laughs> we get a lot of those. We get a lot of those where it's like, well, I have a perpetual motion machine. And you're like, I don't think you do. I don't think you have <laughs> like, that. No, you don't. Um, but one of the things we do in the review process while we're doing our due diligence, much like a VC fund does, we go to experts and we say, hey, like this company says they can do this. Is this possible? And the people that we went to were like, yes, what they're doing exists. What they're doing is real. And then when I talked to them more and heard about their backgrounds, because, you know, both Sheba and her co-founder have pretty pretty significant um, academic backgrounds and they're, they're researchers. They really know what they're doing. And to 
then be able to put that on stage was amazing. It, it took us a little time to get the messaging right, I think. Yes. Um, but by the end of it, it was it was pretty flawless. Cool. Well, and Sheba, do you want to maybe take us into some of that background? So what brought you to this? Like, you, it was it your academic work or how did you get into this to begin with? Uh, this is something that it kind of goes into my personal journey. Uh, I actually wanted to be a doctor and huh. uh, my father wanted me to be a doctor. It's it's like that in India. You are either an engineer or a doctor, either right. of the two. Uh, so that's how I grew up thinking that I'll be a doctor, but I couldn't because I couldn't get into one of those schools. And that is when I decided to do something different. Mm. And I've heard of nanotechnology, got into the research. And I still remember those conversations that I used to have during my traveling for my graduation from, you know, from my home to my university. What is nanotechnology? What do you do? And they really don't get, no one gets it, you know, what research is and they don't understand the value. And somewhere uh, I take criticism maybe constructively Uh, I'm like you know maybe I need to do something about this maybe people need to know what you know we have a value I know it's Mm. not seen on a daily basis like how doctors value is seen on a daily basis but we are valuable too. So that is something that I grew up. And then when I came to US, uh, fortunately, my university promoted entrepreneurship. And I thought this is a great chance for me. And um, yes, English is my second language, but still I was, they encouraged me and that's what put me there. And I went ahead and won lot of pitch competition. And that is when I realized, and then I really wanted to work on this and I believe in the product. So mm-hmm. that is where I developed this passion and then got into National Science Foundation program. They trained me. It took really a lot of effort for them to bring the researcher out of me uh, because <laughs> uh, every time that I answer, I used to answer like a scientist, but not like a you know entrepreneur saying that what is my value proposition and I'm like you know I can do this fast or you know I wouldn't give numbers to them it was a six-week rigorous program but I got out of it and then I learned eventually I I wouldn't say it was in a day but I would only say my strength is taking criticism no matter how harsh it is I just take it and I try to build that uh, constructively and that is the reason for me to be here but taking that on my stride I wanted to bring this value to the to the world I wanted world to know that you know the researchers and uh, they work back in the lab to get this product, you know. So that was something that it was always with me and I worked towards it and it worked. Nice. Yeah, I bet that's, I mean, you know, I have some limited experience with academia, but you see a lot, you know, people who are like working in labs or working in research projects and there's no path for them Mm -hmm. to see that realized in the world or commercialized or anything, right? So it sounds like you knew you wanted to make that happen and then mm-hmm. you went out and acquired the tools uh to allow you to make it to happen right? yes yeah yeah and, and I, I will say you know having worked with you also for a number of weeks you are very good with criticism and it makes me feel better because i know i gave you a lot during during the process um, but let's, you know shifting shifting into like the battlefield side of things a little bit you know what was that experience like for you over some of the highs and lows of the battlefield process? I would say that actually, um, whenever I used to participate in different competition, I kind of get the sense of it, you know, what my audience are and what's the pattern. It's very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this time I feel that uh, I kind of had a break uh, with the pitch competitions because I just delivered a baby in January and getting back to the work immediately, getting my head into this, it took me time. And I I, I struggled there a bit and managing all of this. And at the same time, while I had TechCrunch Battlefield, I had two other competitions. Mm. We actually won in all of those. But yeah, everything had a different pattern. So there were a lot of things that were going on and off. And I was like... I used to have a lot of conversations with Nisha and I was like, I was able to get what she was trying to tell, but I couldn't get that to her. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew that what she was trying to tell me and what she was trying to uh, direct me, I know that I could take that, but I really couldn't present it to her immediately. But somehow I just got some time for myself and I was able to do that. Uh, but I would say that Nisha played a significant role. And I would say, till date, wherever I have been presenting and wherever I have actually done well, I've had people who, uh, you know, criticized me. I mean, like, gave me a very good criticism. So, and from that, I kind of, you know, grew and I take them constructively. So, I would say that 
you know this is how i reached this place yeah and also during that day uh, while i was presenting i had all the feedback that i got from nisha the way i need to stand the, the way i need to present and when i got down the stage and when i looked at people the way they were looking at me i could see you know like how nisha before going on to the stage she was like you know you're powerful you believe in this that really pumped me up even though you do number of competitions it still feels like a first time facing mm, yeah. so many people and there's so many thoughts that is uh, that are in your head but that really helped me and yeah and then you saw my performance so that's yeah. how it was yeah yeah and it's it is um i think it's hard probably for listeners to understand but there's a lot of expectation because when you walk out the audience is large the it's largest for the battlefield competition yeah and people are really attentive. People are not sort of like distracted or on their devices. Like they're looking up at you and they want to see how you present your company. And they're they're judging you on it, right? Yeah. In the same way that the judges are there judging you on yeah. it. So it's an immense amount of pressure. And like you said, it's also incredibly difficult to be context switching between multiple things and trying to tailor your message for yeah. multiple audiences, right? And you were talking about being in other competitions, but maybe you're also out pitching investors or, you know, trying to hire, like all of those are different conversations yeah. and all of those need to be targeted differently. The ability to accept and integrate criticism is a huge, huge asset there for all of those things. One of the things that we try to do with the teams that we work with when we're training them is, you know, the audience at Disrupt is very diverse in terms of occupation. And we have VCs, we have press, we have potential corporate partners. We have the general TechCrunch reader and each pitch needs to be crafted so that every person gets something interesting out of it. Right. We can get very technical in describing the nano mosaic filter and how you start to engineer that. The fact that you can engineer that not just for lithium, but for other purposes as well and other minerals as well. And then also say, hey, there's a big business case for this. If you're a VC, you know, look at the ROI that you'll get on that company if you are a potential partner you know, how can we partner with you to be able to do that? So I think there's a lot of difference between kind of a typical demo day and then me being like, no, you have to show your product working mm -hmm. and you have to bring your mosaic to the conference, <laughs> which I know is also a process for y'all to get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I yeah. really, uh, because it was, uh, it's something like, not like a software that I can just get it and do it stuff. There are a lot of different pieces to it. And uh, I would say that, I did have little sleepless nights trying to figure out uh, <laughs> how do I do this and you know and uh, I was only taking Nisha's name uh, everyone were like <laughs> you know what's with this uh, you were you did a lot of competitions I was like yeah I, I know what she's saying I just need to get there but yeah mm. eventually things fell in place and it worked out yeah because what is involved with that like it's research material right it's material you're working on currently like in the lab so do you have to get clearances? Like, how do you get it out into the world? And then you, how do you make it, in, like, present it in a way to an audience that's kind of like, mm -hmm. like Anisha was just talking about. It's all kinds of people. They're not, like, going to understand what they're looking at unless you yeah. make it understandable for them. Yeah. And also, like, what I felt, a lot of technologies, like, for example, if they show water purification there's a dirt in the water and then immediately yeah. they put their filters and they take it out. The issue we had is lithium cannot be seen. So <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the issue and there are no sensors that can detect it immediately. So I was like, how should I really figure this out? But uh, eventually we tried to run them through the process steps. You know, this is what we mm -hmm. do. And so based on the feedback that Nisha gave us and we were able to do that. Nice. Yeah. It just to switch gears a bit, I've, I'm curious, we alluded to it earlier, but what, what have you been up to since in the months? What has happened as a result of Battlefield? And I guess, you know, what has the progress been for Minerva in general? Yeah, I would say that personally, I felt like a celebrity for a few days. Um, Great. That's because, what we hope. Will yes. <laughs> yes. It was amazing. And I was like, okay, how, how when is this going to end? Even after coming back to my hometown in North Carolina, Mayor called me and she was like, she's very oh. proud of me. And then they're recognizing me. Oh, really? Me. That's great. Yes. The mayor. Mm -hmm. So wow. they're recognizing me this. Yeah. So they're recognizing me this December and giving me an award. And then otherwise, uh, that that's my personal achievement that I would say. And then otherwise, for, for a company, it has been a huge shift. Now people know us. And I had like, 50 venture firms reaching out to us 
I had uh, every day, my last 25 days, I was just in meetings. And we were trying to get the lead investor. So right now uh, we are raising about 10 million and we have shortlisted few lead investors. Now they are doing due diligence mm-hmm. and uh, very soon they will visit our facility and our round will be closing in the first week of February. So that is where we are. And um, yeah, I thank TechCrunch. I, I actually didn't know that this would be coming after this. I just thought it's about 100K, but later what I saw was much more bigger than that. Right. Well, yeah. so this is, I've been making a lot of like positive affirming noises here or surprise noises, but, and I'm not just trying to sell TechCrunch. I'm not doing our own self-promotion. I probably should know that this kind of stuff happens, but I don't know. So I'm genuinely surprised too, right? And uh, I know Nisha does great work and I know that the companies benefit tremendously from participating, but I didn't know the actual outcomes, you know, in this, in the specifics like you're talking about. So yeah. that's really cool. So what's the recognition? Are they going to have a day? Do you get a Sheba day? Yes. <laughs> That's so I, I, I just I just visited them and they were like, uh, uh, I, I was like, I'm an international student. I'm not a citizen yet. They was like, no, we don't care. Uh, yeah. We want to recognize you. You have contributed a lot to our uh, city and uh, we will do anything. So they're looking for a pilot demonstration. They're working collectively now. So it's like their company. So they're so proud and... Uh, they're doing everything that, you know, uh, so that this will be possible to make it yeah. possible. Yeah. So so to kind of circle back, are you able to now go to your family and say, hey, I know I'm not <laughs> a traditional engineer. I'm not a doctor, but I did something. You can, yes. you can see this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I now uh, now I see my father being really proud. And I said, you know, not just doctors. We do have something right. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would argue probably more impactful long-term yes. than an individual doctor, right? So, yeah. 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 So I have a question for you. Actually, I have two. But when you were on stage, there was a lot of, wow, you know, kind of the same thing I felt when I was reading the application was like, this can't be real. Like, it's it's too good to be true. What? Was that like on stage? Like I remember you and you know and, and Himali coming off stage just being like they didn't believe that this was real. Yes. <laughs> what? How was that? You know, for you when you were on stage, experiencing that live. Yes, I would say Nisha, this was not first time that we came across something like that because I know uh, when we say something like that, they were like, then why are you here? Give us money, kind of thing. <laughs> so where's mm-hmm. the money? You know, I get that from a lot of investors, but what we are doing is a we have proved the basic science. So we have, you know, the foundation because I have been to a lot of DLE technologies. I have interacted with them and I personally have seen how they work. They don't work, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because there's no science. So that is how, that is where we have our confidence and that is the USB that we have in our intellectual property that we have and the patent and the process that is so different from the others. So um, I wasn't surprised. I was actually, uh, I knew that this was coming because I have already faced uh, these kind of questions a lot of times, but we were prepared in a way and we tried to, uh, you know, I felt that we answered in a right way, showing them like how from where we started and what all we have proved and where are we getting. So I felt that it was a great way, actually, in a good way. I see that by highlighting that, I felt that the message was much clearly delivered to the people, you know, mm. because they were just thinking, oh, this is just lithium extraction company. But later mm-hmm. when, you know, the VCs were kind of highlighting that, that is where I saw that people were trying, oh, they also do the water. So Next day when I was seeing the LinkedIn post and all of that, they were all like, this is cool tech, really helping yeah. the world. So I saw that this actually made a, you know, good, um, it played a significant role there. Yeah. Well, let's pull out the water element here because I know you and I had quite a bit of uh, discussion yes. when we were, we were designing your pitch mm-hmm. about the messaging on the waterfront. And I remember you were a little bit hesitant to put that right at the forefront during your pitch. And I kept being like, no, (laughs) you need to include it. -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The major reason for that was um, sometimes people get confused what we do. And Mm. I have been like uh, some of the advisors that I had, they were like, you know, you're basically confusing people. You're saying water, you're saying lithium. And then sometimes the message is lost. Maybe I didn't construct it well at that point of time. So actually in a way, Nisha's, uh, how, how she guided me to develop develop that pitch and right now when I'm pitching I see that you know people are able to get it I'm taking lithium and also the byproduct is water so you know 
there's a way so now people are able to get okay this sponge is going into water extracting lithium and the end product that is coming out is you know purified water so that i couldn't actually construct it well before that's what i realized so i wasn't i wasn't comfortable because of the feedback that i received initially but right now everything has changed yeah that can be really difficult because you know the other watchword you hear when people are advising people how to present their ideas is focus, right? And don't give anybody any distractions that yes. could potentially lead them down some garden path you don't want them to go down because you don't want clarifying questions of like, oh, so wait, you're a water for purification company, mm-hmm. right? Which I guess would be your fear or perhaps previous experience. But yeah, I think it, it definitely was for us. And this is, you know, a little inside baseball, but when we're talking about how to present these ideas in the articles too, like... It's like, oh, and the kicker is the only byproduct is this purified water or whatever, right? It's like, oh, that's a great, that's a great tagline for inside of an article, right? So yeah, but it's it's what it's one of those processes where it's like you need to figure out how to deliver it and you need to bounce it off a bunch of people before you realize, like, oh right, okay, I, there is a way to do this in a way that doesn't have the negative effect that I'm imagining it may have. But you gotta workshop it. And that's what Nisha brings to the table. Yes. You know, we just type up the words afterwards. But <laughs> I had a question just kind of around, you know, you talked about the progress so far in terms of funding and everything else. Just on the company building side, how has that been for you? And how have you kind of evolved as a leader? And then as as you're like looking into being the person who's like, you know, running a company, like how do you deal with that? Where do you look for guidance? And uh, yeah, how have you kind of developed over time? I would say that while I was doing my PhD and while I was uh, back in India, I used to participate in a lot of, you know, public speaking forums. So that mm-hmm. way I know to express myself well. That is one quality that I had with me since back when, from when I was in school. But otherwise, leading company and all of that, I would say that I somewhere learned it from my co-founder, who is also who was also my professor, the leadership skills that she has and mm. the command that she has and how she lead, like she's a woman and I have seen how she kind of uh, fights back for everything. So I would say that she was in a way one to whom I was looking up to. And also back at home, I my mother, she runs schools. I mean, she's a principal. And mm. then uh, I have always seen her, how she manages stuff and she's a team leader and uh, she manages everything on her own. So these two had played a very significant role and that somehow got into me it's naturally I would say Uh, and few things I learned in a hard way Uh, there were days uh, when I just wanted to give up and just move away from everything but like I said maybe I am a person who have learned I have somewhere eventually in the process developed thick skin I really Mm -hmm. don't care if I don't like something I take what is helpful for me to move forward that is what matters for me all the time. Right. And as a leader right now in my team, we have like almost six to eight people like scientists that are working under me. And mostly I try to have more communication and uh, also much more clear on the daily basis because in that way that will help us to move forward. So I would just say keep it simple, not complicated and have communication and I think things will just work for you. And that's how it have worked for me. So, yeah. You know, to, to grill on that a little bit, you know, you had mentioned that uh, Himali had faced some challenges being a, a woman in academia. Mm-hmm. Your company is interfacing with a lot of, for lack of a better phrasing, a cisgender, straight, white American males, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the oil industry or looking mm-hmm. at a lot of the energy industry, that's what you're facing. And you are not that. Mm-hmm. How are those interactions for you when you go into those conversations? Oh, okay. These are my nightmares that I have mm-hmm. faced, actually. I'm sorry. How did I forget about that initially, <laughs> my journey? Yeah, I was, uh, uh, to be very honest, I was made fun of because of my accent. Mm-hmm. I was made uh, fun because of my, there were a lot of things that I have, I have faced. But right now, that is the reason I just said that I developed thick skin. I am actually very sensitive as a person. That's Mm. how I am. I cannot take it. But uh, I know that I have to achieve this. And these things are going to come in my way anytime or the other. And uh, there are intellectual people who can see what I can do. And that's how my approach has been. So I just look for the people who understand and who will help me to move forward. And I collaborate with them. uh, And then that's how I have moved on. But otherwise, yes, I have faced um, inequality on every basis, uh, but that is not going to stop me. I would put it that way. 
it sounds like when you encounter that, it doesn't sound like you, well, maybe this is incorrect, but it doesn't sound like you want to, you're trying to change minds. You're just like, I, you know what? You're not, you're not ready for what I have to offer. And I'm going to find the people who do see that value. Is that accurate or do you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's more, even like I, last year I was invited for TED talk. And so there was, when I was presenting and there was a one person who said like, you know, maybe I need to change my accent. I said, I will present it the way I speak. If it mm. is acceptable, I'll come. If not, I They can. actually suggested you change your accent? Yes. Like in- yeah. Yeah. So like. That's so offensive. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Because it, it'll be much more approachable to people and all of that. But I, what I have seen, your personality matter, your energy matters and the content matters. And that's what I have learned. And that's how people have been accepting me. So I said, I'm not going to change for anything. This is how it is going to be. Yeah, you mentioned too before the the last answer about you know there have been some really low times. Is it mostly that when you encounter that kind of resistance, or what else has been kind of what have been the biggest challenges as you've gone about building this business? Um, I would also say that in a way the area that we are in, uh, I mean the lithium industry, uh, it's not a comfortable place to be in. Like mm. I've been to many conferences. And I see among 400 industries that were attending during one of the conference in Arizona, I was the only woman there. And to have those conversations, cold conversations, and there were many uncomfortable situations that I had to be there. But only end of the day, I remind myself, this is what I have chosen. And I'm going to go ahead no matter what, because I need to prove this. I want this to get into the world, not just in case to make, uh, you know, to do something better for myself, but also as a concern for the environment too. And also back in my country, water purification, there is a need for it. Mm -hmm. So considering all of this, I've just kept moving forward. But uh, yeah, I have faced some harsh things, but um, that is how it is. Oil industry or lithium industry, men and like what Nisha have mentioned, there were a lot of uh, uncomfortable encounters that I did have. But I, like I said, I find people who are more collaborative and just move forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is like probably what I, speaks to most about like your obvious dedication. It's like you can't. So in the face of all of this stuff, you're still resilient right which is yeah. which is a tremendous accomplishment because it's you're facing so much opposition really yes. right so it means it shows that you obviously truly believe in the value of this idea and that you want to see it in the world because yeah. i think most people would just encounter that kind of stuff and be like well mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to continue to do this to myself like i'm going to go do something else yeah. where i don't have to i mean i'm i'm speaking for me i wouldn't do that i won't do anything unless it's easy which is why I'm doing this podcast right now. <laughs> <Easy> for me. <laughs> yeah. And only one thing that I, I eventually like what I learned that I cannot change thinking of how people think, what people, you know, I cannot change the world. I can change myself that is in my hands. So, you know, what works for me, I'll go forward. You stay there. That's it. Right. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, you're going to have the same companies that were not in, in favor of working with you, calling you up after yeah. Disrupt saying it's time. This, sorry, I, I, maybe I didn't uh, mention this. I have seen people who, uh, uh, you know, shut doors upon me and people who have rejected my business model and our vision that we had. They have actually approached us. The way they talk, the way things happen are happening to me right now. They are surprising. So that's how it, it, you know, it's going to work out. And I've seen, oh my God, the shift and the transition are completely different. And yeah. That's great. You made waves on on the TechCrunch side too. And that I believe if I have my research done correctly, y'all are the first all female, all women of color team to have won a disrupt. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask about, so what comes next? So you talked a bit about, you know, you're you're looking for the lead and you're in the due diligence process for that. But what what's next for the company? What are your next, your goals for even into 2023 or beyond? So right now in North Carolina, we have Toyota battery manufacturing unit. That's going to be, you know, a very huge one that's going to start in 2025. We have sunlight batteries coming around and they're just here in Greensboro. All yeah, of wow. them at one place. We are trying to get there. So we process battery grade lithium. So once we do pilot demonstration, so like I said, even mayor and, you know, government is trying to help us, like city council is trying to help us. So 
if everything goes well, do the pilot demonstration after the customer validation, we would either have strategic alliance or a partnership uh, with these companies and they could be our customers. Nice. Yeah. And then does that require, do you think, is there a lot of growth or hiring you plan to do or what, like, is that coming off the round? Like what, what is the round yes. then going to oh, be used so, for? Yeah. yeah. So the round right now we are also using for hiring. Um mm-hmm basically soft skills like marketing and business uh, business development officer. And also on the technical end, we do require operational engineers and uh, process engineers. So that would help us to leverage to pilot scale. And then maybe once we get to the commercialization, it's going to also boost the economy of, you know, of the place that I live in. So yeah. that's how we are being promoted right now. Yeah. Right. Nice. Uh, more longer term, like what do you imagine in your ideal world? Like where does Minerva sit in like 10 years time, like as an established company, as a mature company? Like what do you think the future looks like for you? Definitely my ambition is to go public and mm-hmm. that's what I am aiming for. Even now I keep getting advices, uh, you're a woman and you need to take care of your family. You better license the technology. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I keep getting even now, even after coming this far, you keep getting those. Yeah. But that is my ambition that I want to take it to uh, you know, public and have this a public company. And then from there, maybe we will have a research and development center where we will be developing more exciting technologies because we know what the crisis would be next would be cobalt nickel and then we have other things coming up so maybe you know there's also other crisis where there's a lot of clay in the water how to separate clay from the water mm-hmm. there are so many things that can be done so i definitely want to have my own research and development center and then keep developing so maybe i could also do that yeah that's cool yeah it seems like one of these technologies where it probably actually has many many potential applications with even minor modifications, right? Yes. But again, don't want to get into the focus. I don't want to get you unfocused. I want you to focus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and then here I am being like, I will. I mean, when we had spoken <laughs> and on stage, you had said that, that the piano mosaic you've already mm-hmm. modified to be able to isolate for a couple of these other mm-hmm. critical minerals. Yep. Cobalt. So that's what we worked on. And it is also listed as one of the critical minerals. It is second in the list, I believe. Mm-hmm. So even that cobalt present in the water, that is one of the market that we need to do some customer validation, whether there's a lot of cobalt present in the water, because few sites do have, but few of them, there's some limitation. Uh, so we need to do some um, customer validation there. Right. Because cobalt is like an essential metal for basically mm-hmm. all electronics, right? Yeah. Cobalt, nickel, and this goes into batteries too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. I Just out of curiosity, personally, do you have any goals now? What do, what do you want to accomplish, you know, with your own personal life over the next couple of years? For next couple of years, like I gave 10 years of time for myself uh-huh. to be in. Because each day, actually, um, after I graduate, I'm an international student, like mm-hmm. former. At that point of time, I did get job in Intel, one of the biggest semiconductor company. And then there was another university, Howard. Uh, university that is in Washington, D.C. And I had these different choices and I had to make choice with this, which is so indefinite. Right. There's nothing there. And I'm an international student. I get a lot of my friends, colleagues, you know, you're an international student. You do not have luxury to, you know, experiment. You do not have luxury to go ahead in this. You don't see anything here. People come to earn money here. So, yeah, I, yeah. so it was that way. And today I get phone calls saying that, how did you make this decision? How did you know that, you know, this is going to come? So I would say that I believe in what I'm doing right now. And within 10 years, I believe that I'm going to accomplish what my vision is. And mm-hmm. like I said, in a also sustainable way and also do something for my home country too. So considering all of this and maybe at that point of time, like I said, I would just, uh, you know, get it uh, public and then have my own research and development and develop new technologies. Yeah, it sounds like you could also inspire, like based on those conversations, like you can help other people chart the same path, right? And perhaps accomplish similar things. Yeah, now I get phone calls, even if they're international, like there was uh, one guy from Nigeria and he did call me and he said, Sheep, I want to do what you have done. Mm. Uh, so now I see that shift like the people want to listen to me there is one course now they want they have invited me for that to listen uh, and you know to know about my journey how it was to be a student and then in a foreign country and how did I 
get to here so even in that way it's going to help the other people or inspire in some way or the other to actually go for their dreams rather than going in a conventional way i think that's really powerful and you know i'm indian american and my dad came here my mom came here well mom's complicated but my dad came here you know in the 70s in the engineering wave that came over at the time but it, it was still following that very traditional path and to see what you've done is as an indian american person in the community it's like wow like i you know i'm not a doctor and engineer and to be able to see what you've done is is equally as inspiring so thank you for that and doing it with your personality because i think you're also one of the only companies to have ever put a spongebob character on your lead slide <laughs> definitely definitely a first that we've had yeah so like i said like i'm good at telling stories and i when i tell story i look at my audience are they interested in what i'm saying and to grab their attention i kind of get these things uh, so that the story becomes much more uh, you know interesting for them and they are able to absorb it so that's how i have learned and i've got my way until here you know comparing because science is so difficult to get there so i ha- i also keep training these graduate students they have their pitch presentations and they have to do pitch their uh, thesis within 3 minutes mm-hmm. and i've been topping in that all my 4 years because i know to deliver that message like i say you know what you're using your phone you know i can make changes in that using my research so people have to feel your story personally mm-hmm. so it's not cancer for them to feel it because when i say cancer people are like oh my god you know there's a they feel for it so right. i have seen that because uh, and i i always compared why is the why are these people winning and why am i not winning because i am not making my story personal they are not connecting to my story so yeah. this is a way i kind of add little humor in a way and uh, so that they can also remember it at the end so maybe they remember now nano mosaic as sponge you know how sponge works yeah, yeah. so the story is in their head somehow so that's what i try to do That's great. Yeah. yeah. It's it is super important to make things relatable. Yeah. Something we struggle with on a daily basis mm-hmm. as writers at TechCrunch. But I think I think that's a terrific place to end because you made an absorption joke in a SpongeBob answer, <laughs> which I just want to point out, wonderful. Genius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks so much. It's been Lovely talking to you, Shiva, and this is fantastic. And you know, we're very excited to see what Minerva does next, and we're thrilled that you won the competition as well. Yeah, and because I'm, I'm always, you know, closing. It's been a pleasure working with you for so many weeks, and also, you know, when that IPO comes around, mm-hmm. you, you know, you know who to announce that on yeah, stage. You just yes. come back, <laughs> come back again to disrupt, and, yes. and we'll put you on stage when you're announcing that IPO as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. I already saw myself there so yeah, definitely. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nisha, that was our conversation with Shiba about Minerva Lithium. What were your major takeaways from our talk? I think it's a good reminder for founders that it doesn't matter how many times you pitch, you can always iterate on what you're doing. She had mentioned during our talk that they didn't know how to communicate what they've built and the byproduct as well, which is water that you can drink. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's very critical that that is a function of their product, even if it is a byproduct of what they're doing initially and and to know that hey, you can compete in multiple competitions but still find ways of growing, I think is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she threaded that throughout her openness to feedback uh, and her willingness to change her approach based on that received feedback, right? It seems like that's probably one of her superpowers that she has. Would you say that's true based on your working relationship? She was definitely aware of the things that I was saying and the feedback that she needed to integrate. <laughs> I know that being a founder is very difficult. You're balancing a thousand things at one time and to take an hour or you know two sometimes three out of your week to be working on a pitch can sometimes feel like a lot mm-hmm. but when you have a founder who's so receptive to that feedback it makes me as a as a coach even more inspired to be working with them because i know that they're taking it seriously and she right. was definitely doing that absolutely and i think it speaks to an overall character as well right like it's something that if you're an investor or if you're somebody who is thinking about working with a company like this 
that's a long-term partnership. And if they have these attributes and these skills, I think it makes that kind of collaboration over a longer period of time, like a lot easier and a lot more productive, right? I see a lot of founders who have what I call founderitis, mm-hmm. where they say, no, no, I'm right, you're wrong. Which if you have a vision, I am in favor of staying committed to that vision. Right. But there are always ways to change your rudder, change your course a little bit, even if your North Star maintains true. Mm-hmm. And that founder I just can be a hindrance for people who aren't as open to the kind of feedback that Sheba and her co-founder Himali were open to. Right. And it, I mean, I think it's possible for other people to have founderitis as well. I mean, I think I am guilty of it a lot of the time. <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and it's not even stuff I create. It's just stuff. <laughs> You're just uh, like, no, mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I, it was really interesting talking about the water detail because this was something that came up quite a bit behind the scenes when we were on site at Disrupt as well, right? But it's, I was really intrigued to hear, you know, why Shiva didn't want to bring that into the mix necessarily. And I can totally understand it. And it's kind of one of those things where, especially if you're used to just going and pitching a lot of VCs, I bet a lot of the VCs have... ADHD or something like essentially like in the room and they're just like, what was that you said? Oh, and they want to chase that and you want them to focus on the main thing. So even just dropping any hint of it is going to get them very turned around and kind of off on a tangent. Both with the investors, but also with a lot of the partnerships they have. I mean, if you look at their board, they have heavy hitters in the automotive industry. They had a former executive of Halliburton. So if you're looking at kind of the influence that they have around them and the focus that these folks have, you know, they want the lithium out. Their focus is these critical mm-hmm. critical minerals. So anything that is outside of that purview is superfluous. Right. Versus one of the things that Sheba had talked about was how essential it was for her technology to also do good. Yeah. And I knew that about her from our conversations. And when we do these pitch trainings, we're trying to hit conversation points with VCs, industry experts in their field, but we're also making sure that the value that the founder has, the vision that the founder has comes through in these pitches as well, Mm -hmm. which was one of the reasons that I really encouraged her and found ways to help weave that specific point into the entire pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's a differentiator, but it's also like, it's just a uniqueness factor that makes the thing memorable versus other people in the field and everything else, right? So it's vital that's in there. But I, I do also want to talk about Some of the stuff she was talking about that happened resulting from Battlefield, you know, like the mayor of her town was like supportive and then local government is getting behind them. Lots and lots of VC meetings and funding secured. And how typical is that in your experience, Nisha? Because a lot of it was eye opening to me, even though I work, you know, relatively closely to Battlefield. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in terms of the VC outreach, uh, especially with the companies that end up on stage. I mean, we have 200 companies in Startup Battlefield, 20 that go onto the main stage at Disrupt, and five to six that go into the finals. Having this much outreach is, it is a lot, but it's not uncommon. Mm. I would say it's actually most of the companies that we have raised within two to three months of being on stage, which is awesome, but we've had historical data to basically back that up. So it's very exciting, the, the VC side, and also the fact that they're raising very close to their pitch super common when it comes to start a battlefield. I think the local government recognition has happened. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not as common, but what I found interesting about that was the mayor is trying to tie this into local job growth and job creation. Yeah. And one of the coolest parts about start a battlefield is that we get to feature founders from everywhere, both globally and even within the United States. You're not necessarily going to get that same feedback if you have a founder from Palo Alto or Cupertino, because it's known for that. I'm from Cupertino, love the city, but you're not going to get every founder in Cupertino, you know, a key to the city. However, you know, she's, she's from North Carolina. So to be able to bring that notoriety to your city and the commitment that she has to growing there rather than picking up and moving elsewhere, I think is something that is honorable. Yeah. Well, and I like that it was it had both practical and also kind of like 
the honorarium side of it, right? Like it had like, oh yeah, like she gets a day where they recognition in her honor. And then, but also, yeah, they're, they're mobilizing industry behind it. And they're like trying to help her set it up as a location for growth and for hiring and building a company, which is like very real, tangible benefit. So it's got both of those aspects, which is awesome. It's amazing also that she was talking a little bit about her experience coming over here and her visa status. And I was like, oh, you're a job creator. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really cool to reemphasize to folks is that just because a person isn't originally you know, born in the U.S. doesn't mean that they can't come here and really do that American dream thing, which is come here, build a better life for yourself. And then now she's creating you know, hundreds and hopefully eventually thousands of jobs in a place like you know, North Carolina. I think it's Greensboro she's yep, from. I think so. Yeah. But yeah, it really does put fire to that lie of, oh, like immigrants are just coming to take our jobs. It's like, no, actually, maybe they're most of the time, probably they're coming <laughs> to give you a job. So <laughs> it's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. All right. Any any other big takeaways from our chat? Just that and this is maybe a little bit unnecessary TC plug, but it matters. Mm -hmm. And knowing that Startup Battlefield still can create this kind of impact for founders and gives them a platform to showcase what they're doing. I mean, she's building an incredible company that's going to have some pretty major impacts on our world. And to have the privilege of showcasing that and working with them is, is awesome. Yeah, for sure. It's really um, thrilling to hear this kind of thing after working on it in a kind of, I mean, not dispassionate, you're much closer to it, but a lot, I think a lot of the rest of the staff are a little bit more removed and maybe we tend to forget these things, but it's fantastic to hear it directly from the person themselves, how much it, it impacts their lives. Yeah. And to see how, Hey, you know, they were rejected a couple years ago from potential partners and now all of a sudden you have multi-trillion dollar, yeah. <laughs> multi-billion dollar national companies, international companies coming back to them saying, hey, we actually want to work with you is great. We move markets and that's awesome. Yeah. Now, if we could only figure out how to make it benefit us. <laughs> <laughs> what does my retirement strategy look like? <laughs> Found is hosted by myself, managing editor Daryl Etherington and TechCrunch Plus reporter Becca Skutak. We're produced by Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development and Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>